At Riverbank, we believe you can heal, grow, and fulfill God's plans for your life as the power of God touches you through this prophetic teaching by Pastor Dominion. Get excited and hop into it. Hallelujah. This will be the first service in the month of August. How many of you are happy to be in the month of August? Glory to God. And rejoice a little. Come on. God has indeed been faithful. Hallelujah. Let's quickly get into the word. Praise the name of the Lord. We're starting a new series in church um, from this week. And the theme of the series is cultivating Christian culture. Say cultivating Christian culture. And simply what we want to learn is how to be good Christians. There are many definitions on the streets of who a good Christian should be, how you should be. And there are some of them that our parents throw at us, that our friends and neighbors throw at us and say, you, you call yourself a Christian and you do this. And you feel like telling them, but you also do this. You know that thing that parents say that honor your father and your mother and you, have, you feel like telling them, but the Bible says don't provoke your children. But then you can't say because, I mean, you're an African child. But really, what is the right Christian culture? And we're narrowing down today to start with love walk towards the house of God. Say love walk towards the house of God. Uh, some of you are sleeping. Love walk towards the house of God. Please open your Bible to John chapter 13 and I want us to read together verse 34 to verse 35. John 13, we're going to read together so you please, you have to open your Bibles. John 13, 34 to 35. Are you there? No response. Are you there? John 13, 34 to 35. Read together, want to go. A new commandment I give you. No, we're not all there. John 13, 34 to 35. Are you there now? Want to go. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another. Verse 35, everyone. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love, one, two, another. Praise the name of the Lord. And this might seem like an ironic, um, a contradicting scripture when we say we're learning love work towards the house of God. And we're learning, we're reading, love one another. And you're like, how does this relate to the house of God? This doesn't look like the house of God to me. Well, it actually does. And it's very important that you understand this. That believers are called the house of God. And if believers are called the house of God, when Jesus gives this instruction to love one another, he's saying as the house of God, we must love ourselves. Praise the name of the Lord. Now let's see this. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 to verse 22. The Bible calls us, the house of God. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. 
And when the Bible says something like that, it has a reason. It's not just looking for other words, you, you know, to make the Bible voluminous and make us angry and not feel like reading it. No. There's a reason why we're called the house of God. Ephesians 2.19, are you there? No response, are you there? He said, consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers. He says, but citizens, fellow citizens with the people of God and members of his household. He says, you are part of the house of God. You know he's talking about house. Because the next verse says, built. You are members. You are part of the house of God. He says, you are built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. On the teachings. And this is so important. That, listen, that as the body of Christ, as the house of God, we are built, we grow upon the teachings of the apostles and the prophets. This helps you to narrow down Bible study and spiritual growth. Listen to me. Because when you study the portions you should study and the way you should study them, you will grow and exhibit Christian culture. He says you are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. He says Christ himself. The revelation of Christ being the cornerstone. Verse 21, look at your Bibles. It says, in whom the whole building, so he's talking about the house of God, in whom the whole building joins together and rises and becomes a holy temple. So, now he's talking about growth. He's talking about growth and he says it in respect to being a house. And then he narrows it down. And says it's a temple. When he says this, obviously your mind would go back to the temple in the Old Testament. Where you see the outer courts. Where you see the holies of holies. Where the ark is. Symbolizing the presence of God. So now he says you are the building. You are a house. You are a temple. And in that temple there is the presence of God. Symbolizing his spirit. He says, in whom the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. Verse 22, one to go. And in him, you two are built together to become a dwelling place where God lives by his spirit. Glory to God. So, I told you, he's talking about the Old Testament temple. He's addressing your mind to the Old Testament temple. And he's talking about how you can grow. So that you can exhibit Christian culture. Praise the name of Jesus. So the revelation of Christians as the house of God. In that revelation is the revelation of growth. Is the revelation of spiritual growth. Is the revelation of Christian culture. Look at 1 Peter 2.5. 1 Peter chapter 2. And verse 5. Please open your Bibles very quickly. We have a lot to cover. First Peter chapter 2 verse 5. He says, you also. Are you there? Oh, no one is there. First Peter 2 5. Are you there now? He says, you also, like living stones, are being built. So, now he's talking about growth. You grow and begin to exhibit Christian culture. He says you are being built into a spiritual house. I told you 
The revelation of Christians as the house of God is where the revelation of growth and exhibiting Christian culture lies. He says you have been built as the house of God. Now look at it. He says to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifice that is acceptable to God. So, now he talked about temple. He's, and we've said that's where your growth is. He now says in that temple, a sacrifice arises to God that is acceptable. So, this revelation is teaching us how we can offer up things, we can do things that God would see and accept. Listen, what I'm saying is this. There are many things that people see on the streets that if you do this, you'll be acceptable before God. But now we are learning what it actually takes. It's not a man's idea. It's not a man's suggestion. He says you are built up. And so that from you rises incense to God, he says that is acceptable. Praise the name of the Lord. Now finally on that point, look at 1 Corinthians 6. We'll read verse 19 into verse 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 into 20. We're going to read this one together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Whoosh. See, there's understanding for me. I grow in insight and revelation. I know what to do. And I do what I know to do. In the name of Jesus. Are you ready? All right, amen. First Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Are you there? Read together, I want to go. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Glory to God. So this is the same thing we've been talking about, isn't it? He says, do you not know? So it's important. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you, whom you received from God? He says, you are not your own. He says, you were bought with a price. Therefore, he says, you were bought because of that. He says, honor God. Now, that's the incense that rises to God. This is the teaching of the believer as the house of God. He says, because you've been bought. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you why many times as Christians we struggle with this kind of revelation. Let me tell you. It's very simple. It's simply because we don't understand the difference between a sinner and a believer. So when he says you've been bought, you don't get the gravity of the revelation. Because now, I mean, we have a mantra in our day. Say, so nobody you go tell me what I go do with my body. You can't, you can't tell me it's my body. But now the Bible is saying you were bought. And because you were bought, he says you are not your own. So it means you can't just do anything. You can be held accountable for your actions. You can be told as a believer, you cannot do this with your body. And you cannot take the ideology of the world and say it's my body. Uh-uh. You were bought. This house was bought. It was paid for. Praise the name of the Lord. And if it's either you are ignorant 
or respectfully speaking, or you are arrogant to truly understand this thing and not align yourself. What's the difference between a sinner and a Christian? It's not that the sinner does the wrong stuff. Uh-uh. Oh, are you hearing what I'm saying? That's not the difference. The diff- Let me show you the difference. Ephesians chapter 2. I'll read verse 1 and 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Please open your Bible very quickly. Ephesians chapter 2. Thank you, Lord. Verse 1 and 2. Are you there? Read together. I want to go. He says, as for you, you were dead in your trespasses and your sins. Listen. So, he's not talking about a physical death. He's not like, oh, all of you in Ephesus, all of you were dead. You were in the mortuary and I'm going to bring you back. No. He was talking about through the lens of the spirits. He says, you were dead in your sins. You were at a state where you were, you only responded to sin. You only responded to the promptings of sin. He says you were dead. Then verse 2. He says, in which you used to live and follow the ways of this world. I've taught you this before. The word world there in the Greek is cosmos. The normal things that happen on earth. This is so powerful. Because the devil's greatest strategy is disguise. We they always disguise. That's his greatest strategy. That he can hide behind normal human things that are not evil at all. But it's the devil in action. Give you a simple example. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said to his disciples, he says, guys, I'm going to die. Peter looked at him sternly in the face and rebuked him. Because historians said Peter was older than Jesus. So he could rebuke him. Like, I get you, are my pastor. But no, stop saying that. You must not die, but leave. What did Jesus say? Oh my goodness. Normal thing. If your guy said he was going to die, would you have said it's a good thing? So Peter is like, stop talking like that. I know that the persecution is much. I get it. That these people want to kill you. But no, God has been helping you. He that started preserving you, he will keep you to the end. Jesus said, get ye behind me, Satan. So now that's the devil in action. He explains why. He said, you sever the things of men rather than the things of God. He didn't say you sever demonic, satanic, terrible things. No! You walked according to the course of this world. The normal way things happen on earth. So they ask you, is it your body or is it not your body? He says, it's my body. Do you have a free will or you don't have a free will? He says, I have a free will. Are you not an independent black woman or not? He says, I am. Oh. Are you not a self-made man? You say, you don't know my story. I am. But now he says, you were bought. Therefore, you can't just do anything you want. Praise the name of the Lord. He says, look at this. He says, you walked, you used to walk according to the ways of this world. Are you looking at your Bibles? Please look at your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2. He says, you used to follow the ways of this world. He says, and what? And of the rulers of the kingdom of the air. Oh, so the normal ways of this world is the way of the kingdom of the air, the prince of the air. He says the spirits 
that is at work in the children of disobedience. So, a sinner is not just somebody that does the wrong stuff. He might do the right things. He might do normal stuff. He said, but there's a spirit. There's a spirit. There's a spirit. This is why in Paul's submission, in Romans chapter 7, he said, the things I want to do, I don't find myself doing it. He said, there's something at work in me. So what did God do? How did he pay for you? This is beautiful. This is the mystery of marriage that many of us don't understand. He says, let me explain it. Normal marriage, a man shall leave his father and his wife, and uh, what I'm saying, his father and his mother, and cleave to his wife, and they shall become what? Good. So these two separate entities come together and become one. He says, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So, now we see what used to happen. That the spirit at work in children of disobedience was working in us. And because we were joined with him, we were one spirit. So, it wasn't about good and bad. It was that we have become one spirit with the devil. That's who a sinner is. So, a sinner is one spirit. is united with the devil. And is an active member of the kingdom of darkness. But you will not know because he would walk according to the normal course of this world. When he comes with an idea, he doesn't have to look like it is terrible and satanic. Uh-uh. Praise the name of the Lord. But then the Bible says something very important. It says, even though this woman has been one flesh with her husband, and her husband is one flesh with her, he says there's a principle that can change that. That if one of them dies, then they are separated. You know that already, isn't it? So what does he do? He goes to the cross, he dies for us. And in his death, there's a separation from one spirit with the devil. Glory to God. So when he went to the cross to die, he didn't die as himself, he went to die for us. And in his death, he purchased freedom. And so we can now be one spirit with God. Glory to God. Say, I'm one spirit with God. And so the Bible says, now are we the sons of God. He says, it does not appear what we shall be like. He says, when we see him, we shall be like him. Glory to God. Say, I'm like him. I'm a son of God. I'm one spirit with him. Glory to God. So that's what he did for us. And now that he has paid that price, you have to realize that you couldn't have paid the price by yourself. Or else you would have to die. Praise the Lord. All right. You would have had to die and go to hell. And hell has no exit. I hope you know that. There's no when there's fire, alarm, this is the exit. No, nothing like that. The whole place is on fire. So, in his death, he paid the bride price. Glory to God. And so he says, now that you've been purchased, you are not your own. Do you know what it took? To separate you from the spirit of darkness. 
to translate you from the kingdom of darkness. I told you, a sinner is an active member of the kingdom of darkness. He said he translated you into the kingdom of his son. He took the stony heart out of your flesh. Now that he has done that much, he says you are not your own. You will do what he said you should do. Glory to God. So again, the reference is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we read verse 19 to 20 where he told us that you are not your own. And then he now gives you one instruction. This is so beautiful. That when he tells you incense should rise from that altar, from that temple, from the house of God. He says, this is the only instruction I'm giving you. You must, as a matter of necessity, as a demand I place on you, because I bought you love your neighbor. So, let's go back to John chapter 13, where we started from, and look at how he talked. Because he was making these statements based on this revelation you know now. John 13, 34. We're going to read together and I want you to make it sink in. John 13, 34. Are you there? Read together, I want to go. Uh 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 uh. Everyone, John 13, 34. Want to go. He says, A new commandment I give you. He says, look at this, look at this. He says, as I have loved you. So, many of us know, oh, as Christians you should love. He says, no, it's not just about loving the best you can. As I have loved you. So, what he expects of you is that you understand how he loved you. And you reciprocate the same thing. Listen, let me tell you something. The standard of, the, of love is not dependent on your personality, oh. It's not dependent on what people did to you. It's not that I was a nice guy until I saw Shege. No! It's not, I'm not that kind of person. No! He says, as I have loved you, I'm going to accept it based on my own parameter. And so when you read through your Bible, you know what you see? That every time you see that people had faith in God and have received this spirit and have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, they loved believers. Let me show you this. Because it means that as a church, it must become a pattern. It is standard. It's first an instruction. Then we see that it's a pattern in scriptures and then we must do it. Are we okay? Alright, so let's look at our Bibles and look at a few scriptures that show us. Look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 23. 1 John 3, 23. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 1 John 3, 23. Are you there? Are you there? 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. Read together, everyone wants to go. Uh-uh, everyone is not reading. Everybody, John 3, 23, want to go. He says, and this is his command. You believe in his son, 
you believe in the sacrifice for your sins, he says you must love your neighbor. It goes in the same breath. You see that? Same thing. First John 4, 20 and 21, the very next chapter. First John chapter 4, verse 20 and verse 21. He says, whoever claims to love God and hate his brother is a liar. It's literally that simple. He says, for whoever does not love their brothers and, and sisters whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. It's a given. Oh, I love God. But you're not treating Christians right. You're not treating your brothers right. He says you lie. You say, no, relationship with God is personal. I have a personal relationship. Look, because we can look at how you treat believers from the Bible's submission. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Everybody might be convinced though. They might say, have you seen how he prays? Ah, have you seen his tongues? Do you see how he vibrates his body when he's praying? He says, but if he cannot love people that he can see, he's a liar. His religion is fake. It's not true. 21. He has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must, say must, must also love his brothers and sisters. Let me tell you something. Oh my goodness. What it means is this. It doesn't matter what you do as a Christian. If we cannot see, you can fast if you want. You can pray if you want. You can die for Christians if you want. If there is no love, everything is zero. So, you might tell us, oh, I have a personal relationship with God. Thank you. I've read a hundred books in the last 30 days. Thank you. I've seen angels, demons, God. I used to see God every day. That's your business. That's your business. If you like, say I've won a million souls. He says, if we cannot see love. I hear what I'm saying. Let me show you. <laughs> Let me show you from the Bible. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'll read a few verses there and then we'll move away from there. He says, verse 1. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, that is, I begin to speak. And it's a different language, and, it's, and I say I'm talking to angels. This one is different. He says, and I have no love. He says, I'm a sounding gong and a clinging cymbal. I'm as good as the drum set. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries, there's such a deep grace upon my life. That it doesn't matter, no matter the revelation of, from God's word, I can unravel it. And if I have faith to move mountains, that is practical demonstration of the power of God. That is, the grace of God is strong upon my life. He's not saying you're doing it by demon spirits. The grace of, meaning, listen, the grace of God is God's responsibility. Your responsibility is to love. And you hear what I'm saying? 
So, love is not a special grace that some people have. You know, there's a way we feel like some people are able to love people easily. And yes, there's a place for that. But as a matter of responsibility, every believer must love. And not just do anything you want. He says, as I have loved you. Go back to First John 4, where we're reading. Let me show you the practical way it works. First John chapter 4, verse 19. Is it First John I was going to read now? First, I think it's First um, John 3, rather. Are you ready? He says, as, I was lo- as I've loved you, right? First John 3, 16. Are you there? Are you there? Everybody wants to go. This is how to know what love is. Stop. So, we know all we've thought about love. Now we've seen that he has risen the standard. The bar is high. He says, as I have loved you. Now he's about to tell you what it is. Look at your Bibles now. This is how to know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us. And we must what? And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Clear, isn't it? But that's still vague because am I going to die for you? How do we apply this practically? Because that's usually the problem. We have emphasized on the fact that we need to love. And some people say, okay, I'll love. And then they stopped with doing their best. Now we've shown you that your best is not all he demands. It must be as I have loved you. We say, all right, I'm going to have to raise the standard. What does it look like? He says, Christ laid his life for us. And you must do the same. Okay, how am I going to do it? Look at it. He says, and we ought to lay our lives for our brothers. Verse 17, everybody want to go. If anyone has material possessions, now he's teaching you how to practice it. It's not just vague, oh, we must lay our lives for our brethren. Uh uh-uh. uh. If you have material things and you see a brother or sister that is in need and you do not supply, you say, How can you say you have the love of God? How? So, the principle is this listen very carefully that we must meet the practical needs of people write that down let me explain the principle of love is that we must meet the practical or you can say personal I prefer personal personal needs of people the principle of love is what Exactly. We must meet the personal needs of people. Before I go there, let me explain something to you. I was telling you about, it doesn't matter what you do. Love is the most important. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, the Bible says this. He says, in Christ's when you become a believer, 
He says circumcision or uncircumcision does not mean anything. I'll explain this as the weeks go by, you know, as we continue in this series. How that, listen, circumcision was a law. Now he's coming to say it doesn't count. Oh my goodness. So, we know you know all the laws in the Old Testament. Let me tell you something. All the laws in the Old Testament start with circumcision. If you do everything and you're not circumcised, you are just practicing something else. That's the beginning. It starts with circumcision. So, he says, if from, from the very import, most important thing, circumcision, this was the basis on which David won Goliath. He says, you uncircumcised Philistines. It's not that, oh, me, David, do you know me? A man that is pleasing to the Lord, God's best friend. No! It's that you are uncircumcised. Because I'm circumcised, I have a right. Now, the Bible says, it doesn't count. Because Jesus begins to introduce it and said, this is a new law I'm giving you. I know you're familiar with the old. It says this is a new law. You know the teaching for today, don't worry. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. But the principle of love is this. You must meet the most personal needs of people. So James said, if you see your brother in need, and you say it's well with you, I prophesy over your life, abundance. Abundance. Receive. Receive. Seven counts. One. Two. No. He says your faith is nothing. Your religion is fake. So, if the person's most personal need is material things, you want to say, look, you must be born again. Eh, I know. But right now, I hear what I'm saying. Right now, I might not finish the, law, the, the, the sinner's prayer with this level. I might just pass out. My most personal need is what you must meet. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm helping you understand the practical aspects of walking in love. Now let's move forward. There are seven areas of needs that most people would have. The reason why I'm teaching you this is so that you can identify and walk in love. Are you hear what I'm saying? Seven areas of needs. Are you ready? Are you ready? Seven areas of need. If you really want to practice this teaching, then this would be important to you. Number one, spiritual need. Number one is what? Alright, Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. Galatians Chapter 6, verse 1 and verse 2. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Are you there? He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirits should talk about it in town. Is that what he says? She said, please, let's pray for brother John. Lost want to finish him. Is that what he said? People of God, is that what he said? If someone is caught in a sin, did he say run away from him? 
He said, bring him close. Is that not what restore means? Bring him back. Don't talk about him. Don't say, I know something about this brother, but I will not tell you. Just be careful with him. Is that what he said, people of God? You are light. Why are you running away from darkness? What kind of light is that? What in the world is the light that runs away from darkness? Jesus, the Christ of God, your example was called friends with sinners. He says if someone is caught in a fault, this is why the church is scandalous. This is why all of us who say everybody, nobody is perfect, everybody has weakness, but we don't know anybody's weakness. Because if they try it, Ah, let me say one brother just says, you know what? I just want to be very truthful with you guys. You know, I'm struggling with homosexuality. <laughs> Let's say it's wisdom that says it. This brother will just stand up and come to the front. <laughs> That's what we do. Then, the Spirit of God will now move the pastor. He will not realize where he is. Now say, hold somebody. Just one person, one person. Hold only one person. Tell him that you love him. As you just turn and you jam his eyes. <laughs> you say, I don't like the way you said that I love you. It's not the normal church way. That's the problem. Spiritual need. So we are, somebody cannot even tell you, I'm struggling with my prayer life. Say you, why, why, what? How will you be struggling with your prayer life? I am. Is your struggle? I am. Leave me alone. Someone can't even say, look, the truth is, my spiritual life has been, I've not read my, this year, the only time I read my Bible is in church. Nobody can say it. That's a problem. You know why that is extremely dangerous? Is because the first step in healing is vulnerability. Where you are open to talk about it. This is why, listen, this is why they worked hard years ago, extremely hard, listen to me, not to stigmatize HIV and AIDS. Because if you come out early, you can be helped. So they wanted to make it easy for people to come out. Because the first step is vulnerability. Now it's been six years and you are still struggling. Because you can't tell anyone. Now it's harder. And we are the ones doing it for ourselves. We. Because there are still places in the world where they have support groups. Where people can sit down and have open conversations. And saying, I'm struggling with lust. And they will say, ah, ah, pastor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, we cannot even talk about healing. Overcoming habits. If we can't solidify this point. Where we can talk to ourselves. The first step is vulnerability. They said the problem shared is half solved. And this is why it has gotten worse and worse. We must rise as a church that can support ourselves and take the bullet for people. When the birth, the woman caught in the very out of adultery, Jesus took the bullet for her. Learn to stand up for believers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Very important. Very, very important. It says, if someone is caught in an act, restore. Praise the name of the Lord. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 into 25. We're going to read this one together. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 20. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Are you there? Read together, I want to go. Everybody want to go. Let us consider how we can may spur one another towards love, he says, and good deeds. He says, listen, listen, look, look at me. He says, let's consider it. Think about how you can do it. How can I spur others towards love? How can I motivate others? How can I be a prod? Is there a way I can live an exemplary life? That others want to follow. You see that? Let's consider how we can spur others. He says to love and good works. Now look at this. Look at this. He says, verse 25, not giving up the meeting together. Not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. He says, but encourage one another. Oh my goodness. You don't get it. You have to realize that when this letter was written, it was about 40 years after Jesus had died. And so they will meet in temples, but not only in temples. They will meet in house, from house to house. So they have cell groups. That's what we call tribe in Riverbank. Cell groups. And so, someone will look around and say, where's brother John? He's not around. And he's not waiting for the pastor. He says, this is an instruction. He's not saying, this is a, this book of Hebrews, isn't it? And he's not written to pastors. He's written to Hebrews, Jews. So as individuals, you take responsibility. That, ah, this person cannot be absent from church. And then you reach out, hi, I didn't see in church. So then what happened? Cultivating Christian culture. Are you hear what I'm saying? So it's good that you are praying that the gospel spreads, that everyone is saved. He says, not forsaking the gathering of believers. When they congregate in church, do you take responsibility? I say, wait, so so person is not there. So it's possible that if we pass the mic around church now, and ask who is not around. It might be only one or two people that might be able to say, Susu Pesi is not around. The other say, hey, it's true. That's a problem. That's a problem. So, if you're going to walk in love, you have to have that sense of responsibility. So, obviously, if you don't know people in church, you can't even know who is not around. So, there must be that connection. Are you hear what I'm saying? Exactly. He says, not forsaking, not giving up or meeting together. So whether they were in the temple, they wanted to be sure. Is brother this around? Is sister this around? Or house to house. Do you get what I'm saying? Or devotion. You're like, okay. I didn't see you in devotion. What's happening? Are you okay? I'm teaching you how to walk in love. 
I'm teaching you how to walk in love. So you meet the spiritual needs of people. Number two, the second area. Academics, career, or business. You love this one. Academics, career, or business. Academics, career, or business. Some of you don't even know those that are students, those that are building a business, those that have a job. And that's so terrible. Let me tell you something. Jesus made a statement. He says, the children of darkness are in their day wiser than the children of light. Such that, listen very, you have to listen very carefully. Such that the people of the world are smarter and more strategic than people in church. So, you now, you don't know if there's any contractor in church. You don't know if there's anyone that does any business in church. So that when somebody, when there's an opening and you just happen to hear about it, you can't even share with a believer and say, guy, there's this opening, apply now. You don't know. So it starts with knowing what does this brother do. So when you meet people, when you go around, you greet yourselves after the service, don't just run out. You're not a demon that's running away. I hear what I'm saying. Meet people. How are you? What's your name? I, I like the way you dress. What do you do? Are you a student? Do you have a job? What are you doing? So that you know. Maybe the skill you need. That's somebody in church already does it. I can say, oh, because you're a member of my church, I'll give you a discount. What you listen to, you've been praying. All the prayer points were leading. We pray for nation. You do not pray. You are praying for that business. We pray for those doing exams. You do not pray. You are praying for that business. You do not realize that your answer is in having a good conversation with someone. And it's like, oh, I do this. I do this. You see, I need, I need you to. I need somebody. Maybe there's a web developer. You're like, ah, see, that's what I do. And you say, okay, ah, can you help me? He's like, oh, that's fine. I have three weeks ahead of me. I just want to chill for a bit. I can do it for you for. At a discounted fee, just your prayer point has been answered. Guess what? The person is not going to say, Oof. I'll just walk up to you and say, Thus says the Lord. He might not. Your answer is in walking in love. Are you hear what I'm saying? Exactly. Let me tell you something. I hope you're ready for this. Jesus said, The children of darkness are in their days. Wiser than the children of the kingdom. And that's what we see today. So you see a Muslim, for example, that works in an organization. Do you know that there are people in this country that get jobs because of their religion? No, if you know that, signify by a show of hand. Thank you. Meaning, Makaranta, school that you did for how many years is trash. Zero. All the millions you spend in private university and all the years that strike hit you is trash. Let me tell you what it is. It is that you're a Muslim, I give you the job. I know you know nothing. So here's what I'm going to do. The money for the managerial role I give you. Then you employ a Christian to do all the work that is needed to be done and will pay him peanuts. Is that not what happens? So you say, the Muslims, they don't know anything, but they have the higher role. They give their work to you. 
when there is a report to prepare, you prepare the reports and they deliver the reports. They don't even know what's in the report. They just give them. Now you, they've given you an opportunity to be a manager. You now say, I'm a man of integrity. I will only put people that are qualified. You don't know what you are doing. This is politics. I'm telling you, this is politics. Listen. Listen to me. So, Samuel, God sent him to go and anoint David as king. Politics. He says, Saul will kill me. God said, alright guy, let me tell you what you do. Take a lamb, tell Saul you are going to sacrifice. Politics. Is that what God said? Your mouth is shaking now. This is the problem. Listen, God didn't say, I am God. Tell him the most high sent you. You can tell that to Pharaoh. Even Pharaoh, what did God tell Moses to tell Pharaoh? That they want to go and sacrifice down there. Is that what God said? He said, tell, I'm saying politics. God told Moses, tell Pharaoh we won't be back. <laughs> Pharaoh said, if you'll be back, don't carry everything. Say, uh uh-uh. we will carry everything, but we'll be back. Thus says the Lord. I'm teaching you politics. So, now you have an opening. There's a contract. You now say, this contract I will only award to those that are qualified. You don't know what you're doing. What will those on the other side do? They will give their brother. They'll say, come, what did you study? He said, I studied Hausa. Why did you study Hausa now? Anyways, come. You'll do this contract. you build road for us. You are the one. They will sign it and award it to him. They would sign it and award it to him. What will he now do? He will now carry you that's in prayer. Say, Pastor, lay hands on me. This week, contract open doors. They'll pray for you. You will go. He will now call you and says, I have a contract I want. I know you are qualified. You can do it. I will give you money for materials and give you small money as labor. Maybe 100k or 150k. Then the millions will sit in his account. The road will have been done. You will still have your peanut money and you will have the millions. The children of this world are in their days wiser than the children of the kingdom. I'm teaching you politics. That's what God did. So he told Moses... Tell Pharaoh will be back. He told Samuel, tell Saul, you just want to go and sacrifice down there. So that when you get to an office, you as a believer, listen, let me tell you something. Do you know that the Bible says, be good to all men, but especially those of the household of faith. Do you realize the Bible says it? It means there's a bias that the Bible teaches. He says, be good to all men. If you emp- Listen, this is why it looked like we woke up and realized that our parents' generation had only Muslims in the hems of affair. People that could not do anything. The person just sits on the roll, gives a Christian to do all the work. And so there are like one or two Christians in the office and like eight Muslims. And those are the ones that are making the money. He does the work. Jonathan said, monkey the work. Exactly. You know the reason why you know it? <laughs> so when you reach Anguarimi, they don't know it. 
You get why? So, what I'm saying is this. Listen. Listen to me. Let me tell you very clearly. So, when you get into those positions, use your head. There are those that will be put in the positions for the money. Don't say, I will only put the person that is qualified. Now, there's one Muslim that is qualified. You've put him now. And he's like, thank you very much for this opportunity. Now, you are sharing testimony that they've transferred you from here to Abuja. She's now in Kaduna. He will put all the Muslims in positions. They can't do anything, no. But they'll be eating the money. Then they'll now put one Christian that will do all the work. He's learning entrepreneurship. He's saying, oh, I just got this certification. They'll say, oh, you can do this one too. They'll just give you, say, you, you bring your work, give it to him. Yeah, you start flexing. Be wise. Know what to do. I hear what I'm saying. But if you don't know what people are doing in church, how can you say there's an opening? No. So let me let me give a scanty um, publicity for those that I know. You know some of you do business and I don't know. You do it like you're doing illegal business. My wife has a skincare line. Ah, you're not celebrating. I will not call your own. Hold on. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Hold on. Calm down. So that when I, another message, when I know your own, and you finally let the cat out of the bag, I will tell people your own. My wife has a skincare line. What it means is that for every of your skin concerns, you can meet her. Jonathan, your, all those money you are giving people to make black soap for you, that is just frustrating you. Meet someone that can, she does consultations also, so she can tell you what you need and all of that stuff, all right? Um, Vicky is a barrister, and she's been called to bar. Glory to God. She's not an aspiring barrister. <laughs> it's not that she argues, and then we call her barrister. No. <laughs> she's actually been called to bar. And then she runs a company that helps startups. You start a business, you want to go around the legal things, because sometimes you don't know, you're just going to end up in jail, because you're just going to do something you should not do. So she can help you, her company can help you with consultation. And all. Is there any other person that's doing anything I need to talk about? Yes, Jess, oh my goodness. Jess is one of the best video people I know in Kaduna. Let me tell you something, I'm very difficult to impress. You just don't know yet. People that work extremely close to me, Think, know that I'm extremely difficult to impress. Jess impresses me every time. So, yeah, I've told you many times, she does. So, your wedding. Let me tell you something. Let me explain to you. This is wedding photographer. Stand up. Wedding photographer. All right. Wedding videographer. Your wedding videographer, Jess. Makeup. Who does makeup? Jess, too. Yes. Tight. <laughs> Glory to God. So you can patronize them. If they mess up, then you can move on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. Pay attention. Listen. How many of you know that there are Muslims that give discounts to other Muslims because they are Muslims? So they have their real fee. And then there is brotherhood. 
learn it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Learn it. These are the things that have made them look powerful in this Nigeria. Learn it. If we do this one, you'll be surprised. Praise the name of the Lord. The second area of need is what? Academics, career, and... Oh my goodness, I'm out of time. I'm going to rush through the other ones. The third one is friendship. Say friendship. Some of you, your only friend is your mother. You have to stop. You are so obsessed with the friendship of your mother that you've sworn that any woman, any lady that will separate you from your mother, you will not marry. You are not married. That's the problem. <laughs> when you are married, you will not say something like that again. I'm married. Don't worry. I know what I'm saying. I have friends that are married. Mommy's boy. <laughs> you, know, you can cut this part and put it in last week's teaching. Any boy that is a mommy's boy, leave him alone. Seller. <laughs> Friendship. Listen. Build friends. How, let, me, let me ask a question. A very sincere question. How many of you, signify by a show of hand, would like to have more friends? Signify by a show of hand. You want to have more friends. Alright. Only a few people. You're, all, of you are in, all of you have enough friends, right? I'm not saying, listen, no. I'm not saying you have the energy and the strength and the time for more friends. I'm just saying, you truly just want to have some more friends. Thank you. So these are, exactly, exactly. What I'm saying is, you can meet those needs. You can meet those needs. You can meet those needs. Some of you, everybody around you is toxic. You spend all your entire day in the office or in your business, and all the people in your field are toxic. See, friends. Take advantage of it. Are you hear what I'm saying? Take advantage of it. The next one is relationship and family. <laughs> relationship and family. You see, because um, because some of you are not married, you don't realize that your children will not have family friends. The way you are going like this, that you have no friends, there will be nobody to visit you. After Christmas service, there will be nowhere to go. No family friend though. This is the time to build those friendships. Those strong relationships and family bond. Now, the person will relocate to Canada. And you actually will not... You want to live this life having nobody you know abroad. I won't say more than that. Next one. So I said number one is spiritual, number two is academics, and the rest. Number three is friendship. Number four is relationship and family. Number five is health. Say health. Listen, when people are sick, the only solution is not that their body responds with health. It's not prayer. The good Samaritan did not pray. He took the guy to hospital. Listen, 
If you hear that someone is sick and all you do is get well soon, you're not doing enough. You have to realize that the good Samaritan was not a Christian. He wasn't a Jew. He was, in their day, he was considered a worldly person. But what did he do? Buy something. Carry one apple. See? Listen, let me tell you something. You have money for one apple. Hmm? You buy it with your joke in mind. That I don't want to buy many. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. The person laughs, he collects your gift, you've done something. Praise the name of the Lord. Don't just do something. Call. Ask. I heard you were sick a week ago. How do you feel now? Apologize for not calling you. So what was wrong? Oh, that's serious. I'm going to join you in prayers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do you know how encouraging it is sometimes when we have family members or friends that are in terrible health situation and they know that there are people praying for them? Do you know how strengthening that thing is? They're like, even if God will not answer my prayer, at least he might answer that person's prayer. Do you know how encouraging it is? Be that person. Praise the name of the Lord. The next one is finance. Of course, we're going there. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Oh my goodness, I'm out of time. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to read that. Please open your Bible. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1 to 6. Pay attention to this one. Because some of us, when we hear about finance, we think the person in front of you is a robber. If you see a pastor talk, holding the mic and talking about giving, all we see is somebody that has covered his face with a mask and is holding a gun. That's all you see. Look at your Bibles. Second Corinthians 8, 1-6. He says, but now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know about the grace of, that God has given the Macedonian church. Verse 2. He says, in the midst of severe trials, you know those kind of periods in your life where everything seems like they want to just go back on their own. You just want to open your door and the handle comes out and you're like, how? Second Corinthians 8. Did I say 6? Second Corinthians six one to Second Corinthians eight one to six. I'm sorry. Second Corinthians eight one to six. Are we there now? He says, in the midst of severe trial, he says there are overwhelming joy and extreme poverty. You know those people? They live in mud house and they use blankets to cover their door. Their curtain is their door, is their gate, is their everything. He says, in extreme poverty, wealth up in rich generosity. Your lack is not the reason why you're not giving. You are just greedy. You can argue with your Bible, but it's right there. That in severe trials and tough time, the guy is treating his wife, his mother, and his sister. He maintained joy. Do you understand? He maintained that is Nigeria is showing you Shege. 
He maintained joy. And even in severe poverty, where they have not paid him for six months, the Bible says he welled up in rich generosity. How do you do that? Cultivating Christian culture. Paul says, I want you to know about this thing. I want to teach you how to live like this. If you cannot give at the lowest ebb of your life, you won't give if you have more. That's what you don't realize. The Bible says, he that is faithful in little, is faithful in much. Let me tell you something. If you are not giving at your level, you will not give, no matter if your level changes. Your level of generosity now is equal to or less than what your level of generosity will be if you have more. So, we don't help people because I have enough. No. We help people because the principle of love is that you put the person above you. I'll teach you that. You put, the Bible says, in love, preferring others to yourself. When you say love your neighbor as yourself, you don't know what you're saying. It doesn't mean what I will do to Jesus went to the cross. Was it for himself? At what point was that benefiting him? He says you will lay down your life for your brother. How, how is that an example of loving my neighbor like myself? Is that you put the needs of others above. Is that okay? Verse 3. He said, for I testify that, look at this, oh my goodness, look at this. He says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able to, and even beyond their ability they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. He says they exceeded our expectation. They gave themselves first to the Lord. He says, and by the will of God, they gave themselves to us. Cultivating Christian character. Let me tell you something. Let's say, for example, and listen very carefully, you have to realize that no matter how generous these people are or where, the generosity of a, the poor person cannot necessarily meet the need. If the need is one million, no matter how generous this poor person is, if the person earns 15K, it might not change much. You know that, right? So, Paul wasn't talking from the, di- from the direction of the need being met. His emphasis was, these people gave beyond themselves, beyond our expectations. <coughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So, let's say somebody is saying, ah, I, I'm looking for school fees, 500,000. If it is 500 naira you have, give. It might not change much. But it has proven your generosity. It has proven your love. I know that this guy doesn't have much, but car he tried. It might not have changed the thing, but it might have touched the person's heart. That in all the people that gave, Paul pointed to Macedonia, the poorest of them all. So even in Jesus' teaching concerning giving, he says, you see this widow? She gave very little, but she gave all. 
So from the lens of God, that's big. It won't meet the need, but that's big. Start from there. Is that okay? The final one is ministry. Colossians chapter 4 verse 17. The Bible says, Say unto Archippus that he should fulfill the ministry that the Lord has given to him. So, what is the, when you see someone that was fervent in church, doing the work of God, fulfilling ministry, and suddenly the person begins to shrink. Paul said, say unto Archippus, see, you have to do, listen, you've been doing well. You must continue. Praise the name of the Lord. So, we're learning on love walk towards the house of God. Of course, you also know that the church, the building is also called the house of God. You know that, right? Paul, Jesus said, my house was meant to be called the house of prayer, but you made it the den of thieves. So, he began to flog them. So, listen, there's something about serving in the house of God. David said, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of God. So, listen, let me tell you something. It means you must, as a matter of necessity, if you are going to walk in love towards the house of God, walk in love towards believers, but also serve in church. Do you realize that this place doesn't clean itself? It's not that I used to pray on Saturday nights. The angels would just come. and say, angels are singing. You are worthy. Oh Lord, they will not be sweeping here. No, actual human beings seated here. Sweep this place. Arrange these things. Some of you, after every service, you see them setting down. And you just, you'll be inspecting. Well done. Have a chairman. That's all you do. Be a part of a service unit. Bring your skill. Bring your strength. You know what Jesus says? He says, love the Lord with all your hearts, with all your might, with all your strength. Join a service unit. Serve God. This is something that our parents knew. That we, we are beginning to lose. So I'm going to walk in love towards the house of God. Rise up on your feet, please.